Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm talking to Matt Hammond, founder of Talk Think Do, a software development company that strives to solve complex business problems with cloud applications. As well as his informed insights into the future of tech, including AI and the metaverse, Matt reveals how he fell into the world of computing almost by accident, looks back on a career that includes time spent in Formula One, discusses how he addressed the challenge of maintaining company culture amid rapid growth, and explains why his experience of running a business has been an overwhelmingly positive one. It's also interesting to note that Matt had thoughts about starting his own company as far back as the mid-1990s, but only started Talk, Think, Do in 2014. I feel this is a great example of how everyone's entrepreneurial journey is different and how sometimes it's about recognising when the moment is right and then seizing and taking that opportunity. Please do enjoy the episode. Welcome Matt to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. No, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation today. We're going to be talking about your business talk, think, do. We're going to be talking about AI, the metaverse, all of those kind of things. But we should really start with your own personal journey, Matt. So uh, as I understand it, 2014, you left corporate life, um, having had a successful career in software development and founded Talk, Think, Do. Perhaps to our listeners, just give it a bit of context. How did that come about? And were you always destined, do you think, to start your own business? So I think I was, from, um, and it took me a long time to do it. So, okay. so um, my dad ran his own business. So when I was young, he okay. was a bit ahead of the game because he was working from home in the 80s, which was you know, more unusual in those days. Um, but he ran a company. He had been at sea, and he ran a company selling rope and chain to okay. oil rigs and, and that sort of thing. So very sort of salesy. Right. Uh, it was only ever him on his own. And yeah. I think he was you know, very hardworking. Um, he... And he put me and my brother through private school, but he would always have, you know, clothes yeah. with holes in and you know, <laughs> yeah. the same jumper for 20 years. And um, yeah. so, so I got a really good sense of work ethic from him. Yeah. And although I think it was hard at times, it, yeah. I think I could see the, uh, I guess, the benefit of, of being your own boss and, yeah. and having control of your own destiny. Yeah. Um, and then I went through school. I sort of fell into doing software, oh, okay. um, so I didn't particularly. I wasn't particularly engaged at school, okay. um, and I came out and went through clearing at university. Okay, didn't really want to go to university, but my parents were very keen for me to okay. go to university. Okay. So I ended up sort of being talked into doing a software engineering course at Bournemouth University, um, and actually that was. It, 
I immediately really liked doing it. And it was okay. a really, they, I think Bournemouth University do these very vocational courses. Yeah. So they were training you to do a job. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily about academia. And yeah. It was about, I suppose, particularly in that, in that time, in terms of software, it was the practicality. How do you code? How do you make things happen? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then as part of that course, I had a sandwich year in, uh, well, I went to work for Acorn Computers in Cambridge. But Cambridge at the time was absolutely on fire from a tech point of view. Yeah. So I was, I, the bit I was working for was the start of ARM. So they spun out ARM. Okay. Um, yeah, there was, it was just a great place to be in the nineties. Really, really so, buzzing, and this was buzzing. sort of mid nineties. Yes. It? Yeah. Um, and they, um, yeah, we'd have on Jesus Green, we'd have um, tech company rounders every Wednesday and okay. going for a pint and it was just yeah you know, and a punt race once a year of all the tech uh, companies okay. it was it was lovely you know it's a really lovely place to live yeah and it was yeah it was silicon fen they called it in the day so <laughs> <Silicon> <laughs> <Fen>. <laughs> um so that you know even by the end of my university period, I then was totally sold into the industry okay really enjoyed it met some great people um but then I I mean I guess all through Life generally, you, you know, I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome. I don't think I suffer from imposter syndrome because I think it's quite a positive thing. Yeah. But you know, always thinking, well, I, um, I sort of knew I was good at what I did, but you always feel you're not quite good enough. Yeah. So I always had this idea that I did want to run my own business, but I wanted to do it as an expert. Okay. Um, so you know, I had a great career going through all sorts of different things mm -hmm. after that. So you know, from Formula One. So I spent six years in Formula One doing software, um, you know, banking, telecom, yeah. just all over the place. Um, uh, and you know, all the time on these really great projects, meeting great people, really lucky in how I went. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, but basically just developing out confidence yeah, in what I do and expertise and yeah I wanted to be you know really wanting to be seen as expert in what I did and yeah. um you know in tech everything's changing all the time so you have to be learning yeah. all We're the time have, that's definitely going to be part yeah. of our conversation today um but interested so coming back to the I guess my dad having his business yeah my first job actually after university was at Foresight so so a local okay. software yeah. company um, lots and lots of people from there have gone on to do yeah, a couple things, of them have been so. on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, so it's one. Of, and it, as you go through your career, you have certain places where there's just something going on, yeah. and that's definitely one of them. And there's you know, there's all sorts it's of businesses. You do, yeah, I can think about you do. There's certain places where there's a certain buzz or energy or culture. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and that you know, it's still in touch with most of the people I work with there. Yeah, um, a lot of them close friends. One of the things we did when we were there is we had another podcast guest, Chris Croft, come in. So this, you know, I was very young at the time, um, and did a course on goal setting. I think it was. Okay. Um, and one of the things he got us to do at the end was to write down where do you want to be in ten years' time. So write down, you know, what, yeah. what do you see yourself doing career-wise. Yeah. Put it in an envelope, and then he said, you know, "Give them all to me. And I'll post them back to you in ten years." Time. Obviously, obviously, he didn't. But I can remember what I wrote down. I wrote yeah. down, you know, I want to have a company with a team of experts, five, ten people wow. doing, you know, and, and that, again, that was mid-90s. Yeah. Um, fast forward to 2014. So, yeah. so at that point, I'd uh, you know, come out of corporate life and I was, um, uh, so it was just me. Yeah. So four, first four years of Talk Think Do was just me. Okay. Um, yeah, by that point, I guess from a 
job point of view, I'd gone from a developer, so yeah. coder, yeah. through to, by that point, probably 10, 15 years as an architect. So yeah. um, you know, in, a, in a software team, you've got the developers who do the coding, you've got the architect who designs the software, yeah. and is very often the interface between the sort of business and the, okay. the, the tech teams, and, and just tries to make sure that they're delivering yeah. what yeah, business The expectation gap is not too big. Um, and, and I'd spent a lot of time, so a lot of the consultancy I did as an architect during that first four years was working for um, companies dealing with external suppliers. So for instance, okay. Transport for London, Yeah, um, they had a, a mobile program where they were doing mobile apps for staff. So yeah. people working in tube stations and buses and everywhere. Um, and we had other agencies who were doing development and my job was to assure that they were doing the right thing and to sort of guide that. So at what point did you decide actually, you know, I suppose at that point you were the expert, you're replicating a bit your father's business in that, you know, that consultancy piece. Yeah. And you're on your own. At what point did you think, so this must be, I suppose around 2018, you thought, actually, I want to develop this and have my own development team and go and do projects for customers. Well, I think I had it from 2014. So I had the idea that I wanted to grow it. So that's where you wanted to be because yeah. that comes back to yeah. that Chris Croft conversation yeah. as well. Um, I guess one of the challenges with starting a business, because I think it was 41 when I started that, mm-hmm. is you've got a, a lot of financial commitments. Yeah. You had family, got yeah. had some school fees, I had you know yeah. a, a, a lot of... Um, and that limits your ability to take risks yeah. so much. Yeah. Quite I, always say, I started my business at 30 without kids my wife had a great job there was no real financial risk yeah you know, i could go for it i could put my foot on the gas from day one but yeah and, and, know, and that's quite a, yeah perspective <laughs> changes when you get older and you've got those responsibilities yeah yeah so to go from you know you, you charge a day rate yeah and you can make a good living doing that but if you're sick if you're yeah. if you want to retire you've got a problem <laughs> yeah. um so to go from that model to then flipping into hiring people and doing something yeah. it's quite a difficult transition yeah, to make so I, so i spent four years trying to work out ways of doing it Got close to doing it a couple of times, but okay. but but basically, and I guess this is it comes back to what we actually do as a business now. So mm-hmm. so I was trying to look for some creative commercial models for making it work, and there's a lot of people out there who are paying a lot of money for SaaS software. Yeah. Um, particularly if they're in a vertical, so you might have yeah. and uh, Transport for London on one of these. They, yeah. If you've got a, yeah. If you, if you've got a very small set of suppliers who can provide the service you've got. Yeah. Um, they can charge a lot for it. Yeah. So quite often these are quite old systems. Okay. Yeah. Or they might even have been sort of developed just for that for you as a client. Yeah. And then they've developed it for you. You've paid for all the development of it. Yeah. And then they go out and sell it to other people and they actually because yeah. you're actually the most difficult client because you're on the oldest version of the code, they you don't get very good support. So, so there's lots of people out there paying big subscription Prices. amounts yeah. for systems they're really unhappy with. And they also not just unhappy with, but they feel a little bit cheated in terms of well, we've paid for this and yeah, yeah we no, don't you're own making it. a lot of money off others, and you're not giving us the great service. Yeah, so so the sort of commercial models that I was talking about was well, if you've got a four-year contract, yeah, because you pay its annual contract, we could actually develop it at risk. So our risk, you get free system in return for the same. Uh, okay. Sort of contract, you get a brand new system built for your needs. Yeah, but I think importantly, and this is one of the things that again we try to do, you get a license to have the source code to it at the end of it. So you're not tied to us as a supplier. So, so okay, um, you get to you, know, you don't get to. There's all sorts of 
issues around intellectual yeah. property and, and the, the legalities around. Yeah, and the legalities around. Sure. <laughs> so my, you know, my simple terms: you own the code. You don't actually own the code, and there's all yeah. sorts. But you have access to be able to use the source code. You know, we would like you to retain us as a supplier to support it. Yeah. But that's on merit, so you, you're not tied into us in any way. Off you go, and that's yeah. that's we managed to do a deal yeah. of that sort of that type to get started. Wow, but that's that's challenging for you because that needs a lot of working capital funding. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I guess the benefit I've got, and I'm, I do count myself lucky compared to other people that run software businesses, yeah. is I can develop. Yes. So initially, it was a case of you know a year or so of, and at the time I was commuting up and down to London yeah daily um which is you know hard in terms of getting up at half four in the morning and getting yeah. home at nine um but gave me so two hours each way on the right. train to, to do sit, the side to completely to, to completely focused time piece yeah and earning your money and then time to yeah so I was just working all hours wow doing the development side of it as well to get to the point where we could, and, you know. And employ people. Um, and, and employ people, and yeah. So, so then got to the point, yeah. And, and so it started very, very slowly in terms of getting that started. But um, And if we roll on to 2023, headcount now in the business? So 30. Oh, okay. So the, the, this is, you know, it's another reason I was really looking forward to this conversation because that, you know, dramatic growth, I think it's been quoted as 750% turnover growth since... 2018 yep. or within a four-year period you've gone from a headcount of you to 30 in that yep. relatively short period as well that must have and must be a good feeling yeah but it must have come with some challenges now uh it has and i think i, mean, I think the almost the, the 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 growth sort of being obvious and natural and there was almost unavoidable in terms of because, um, is that because of that model that you kind of had Once yeah and because the, the demand comes and you have to grow to meet the demand and yeah. um i think the really big decision for me was taking the first employee on okay so suddenly you know i've been you know i had a day rate and i was paying for myself and yeah. I, um there's i don't you know i've got responsibility to provide money for my family yeah but that's it and, and because we've got marketable skill set you don't have to worry too much about finding work yeah. in, in but then suddenly going from that to then employing somebody yeah. and they've got a mortgage and they've got kids and yeah. that first person, um, uh, Serena, who still works with us, who I'd, I'd worked with previously, um, yeah, that was a real decision point yeah. of, uh, okay, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to put foot in the door. Yeah. Um, from there, it just, yeah. you know, you just have to meet demand and you have to make it work. And, you know, there was, I'd say for the I mean, it's all happened quite quickly. That the, the the growth side of it. Yeah, so it seems it seems like a very long time to me, but it's probably only yeah um, you know three four years ago. There's a lot of sleepless nights in terms yeah. of you know I want to make sure I've got secure income in. Obviously, when you start, and particularly starting with having to bootstrap, and yeah. um, you haven't got a big buffer of cash yeah. in the bank. So yeah. so it's quite a risky time in yeah, terms of you going definitely. invoice to invoice. And then I felt a real commitment to you know we're going to grow sustainably. We're not going to grow to the point where yeah. We have to boom and bust, and, and yeah. higher fire, um, and that's uh, yeah, and that's difficult. It's quite it's a bit easier for us because we do these big projects, yeah, and they tend to be multi-year contracts. So you've got some visibility, but yeah. yeah. But then I suppose that comes back to some of that challenge having been and the time it took to get to that initial first employee was you wanted to sh- disrupt the model, yeah, yeah, and therefore uh, you sort of bucked the trend. Yeah, it takes a while for the 
some clients to realise what you're yeah. doing, I suppose. Yeah. Mark, and, and, it's still, uh, and it still takes time. You know, yeah. A lot of our business comes through sort of personal referral of people who know me from working. Yeah. We're starting now to get referrals of to talk, think, do rather than to me. Yeah. With, with what we've done. And that's, you know, that it's a bit of a... Um, it's about the flywheel effect. You can yeah. you can feel it starting to turn now in terms of the, the business generating business, yeah. not me generating business. It's interesting, you know. Of all, we talk about you know the startup phase being that ignite phase, mm-hmm. and then scale up, which is clearly where you are, and you know in the middle of now is being that kind of um, you know thrive phase phase because you do like you say that get that flywheel moving and you start to thrive, but it comes with its own unique challenges. Sometimes I think that startup phase. Is it is challenging, yeah, but the risk you're taking are small, aren't they? Yeah, and they're usually like you say, you're taking them based on personal risk, yeah, and then the value set that I can see in you, Matt, um, is that actually you'd have taken that responsibility of building the business and scaling it, with yeah, m- nearly more responsibility than walking out on, on that, that last job to start up on your own, but as de- a definitely. But, but I also say, I think from, from taking you know, some initial small risks, I think, yeah. in my in my view. I've def- my risk appetite's gone up. As you sort of have success doing it, and you, you, you know, I'm yeah. more happy to take risks now. I mean, yeah. we, quite early on, um, so we use Zero for our accounting software. Yeah. We use an add-on called Float, which is uh, gives us a really good view of cash flow, yeah. and that we use for everything. So we've okay. got a really detailed view of cash flow. You know, we know contractually yeah we've got you know our, our, we've got positive cash flow a l- probably much further in the future than other similar sized businesses yeah. and we well, we manage everything off that so okay. you know, cash we, is king in the world uh, well absolutely i, I think it's you, you know <laughs> um, and certainly you know from a county point of view yeah. there's all sorts of funnies that happen in terms of accountancy which don't really make sense as a business no. owner and i think that obviously you can't just you can't look at cash in the bank as a way of driving no. it but that cash flow projection cash, is yeah. is brilliant, I think, and it's been yeah. an absolute lifeline in terms of making the right decisions. Brilliant. And if you think about some of those challenges, you need to talk about sleepless nights. If it's if it's away from that cash and that responsibility for people, what else has kept you awake as you've grown the business in the last few years? Well, I think what's become really because we have grown fair. It's been fairly steady. Yeah. So you know, and it might you know, so we. The biggest growth has probably been in the last year, so we've sort of doubled over over a year. Okay. Um, I think January we had four starters in you know okay. more or less the same same yeah. time. So the rate as you get bigger, yeah. the, the sort of rate of increase gets bigger as well. Um, and the I mean the culture is so important to the company, and sort mm-hmm. of you know it, it's um, uh, it's such an important part of things. And the, the company's had such a good feeling. You know, within the yeah. start, we've all got a real buzz around it. Maintaining that culture, as the quicker you start to grow, the harder yeah. it is to make sure that that culture is uh, yeah. maintained. You know, yeah. you hire, we hire to our sort of core values yeah. all the time to make sure we're hiring the right people, and, and you know, we're doing a good job on that. But it's still just making sure that um, that risk of dilution is there, isn't it? If you grow yeah. quickly, yeah, you know, some of it. I I think it's that piece about sometimes culture grows with the business. And it stays with the business because you know it's the way of the business, you know. And it's but as you add people, you have got to be more conscious about explaining what the values of the business are, what the behaviours you want are, but also managing to culture and behaviours. Yes. You can hire to it. Yes. But you've then got to manage to it and be seen 
to do the right thing when yes. needed. Yeah, and it's um, you know we are really strong on um, on core values. It's, it's really yeah. key. And I and I always thought that when I was in corporate world, I thought they're <laughs> very cheesy. Yeah, and they still And to be honest, you know, ours are open and honest, team first, do what you say, quietly confident, and then my favourite, love what you do. Yeah, they're all actually quite. You know, yeah. they could apply to lots of businesses. It's it's, it's how you demonstrate them and how you do yeah. it and, and, and they're really important them. to us living yeah. and breathing them isn't it because as soon as you don't live and breathe them yeah then it becomes a little bit of a mockery. And, and it's also but it gives you a really nice framework to because nobody sticks to them all the time you know everyone for yeah. has has you know bad days or days where they don't quite exhibit them but it gives you a way of you know if somebody's been a bit thinking yeah. of themselves or yeah team first you know um and it just they just come out as little checks that everybody uses on everyone else to, to, okay. to keep things going. Brilliant. Um, and I think that so that that's one challenge in growth is is keeping the culture. Yeah. Because um, when you're on a, onto a good thing, yeah. I guess you don't want that to to go yeah. off the boil. Um, the other one is it's you know as you grow, you obviously got the people that came in early, and it, it's there's a lot of change going on. So you know it, yeah. it's um, everyone loves a small company feel. Yeah. And it's just making sure that everybody's, yeah. you know, sort of with you on the journey, but also it's, yeah. you know, it can be uncomfortable in terms of the change and having to, having to let go sometimes of things that you had. Yeah, and how do you manage? Because you know that whole change curve and managing change through growth, I think, is probably is one of the most difficult things to do during that scale up period. So, how have you addressed addressed change management in the business? Um, We've done it quite uh, quite thoughtfully and carefully, okay. I guess. So, I mean, one of the things that, um, again, the values tied back to. So, we use uh, we we put structure in a long way before we needed it in terms of growth. Okay. Um, so we use the so the traction book, but EOS, so yeah. entrepreneur entrepreneurial operating system. system yeah. Um, which gave us a structure. We we put it in when there's four of us. So so we put in this. Fairly heavy management structure, which seemed a bit ridiculous at the time. Yeah. When there was four of us to to, to you know weekly meetings, the metrics that you check. Yeah. And actually, the values are a really strong part of that. Doing a vision, yeah. you know, once a year, doing quarterly reviews of where you are against that. Um, it, it, it's all common sense. Yeah. And I was looking at putting something similar in. I read the book, and I just thought, well, it's better to pick something off the shelf and. So you've, yeah, so it was one of those books we all get at them time to time, don't we? Yeah. We can all probably name them is that we pick up a book and it actually does resonate and it goes, right, I'm going to do this. Yeah, and, and it's got, again, it's cheesy. Yeah. Lots of, lots of uh, trademark terminology for, you know, I can't call it a goal, I call it a rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's great picking stuff off the shelf because there's yeah. books available, you yeah. know, new stuff come in and we've got guides to it um, and everyone... It also stops you tweak, spending time tweaking yeah. things unnecessarily. I, yeah, I can see that because we sort of, sort of I get a lot of our, you know businesses I've worked with and you know some of them that I've run and we've sort of developed our own systems. And then you pick up that kind of I've read you know traction and you go oh mm. we've, we're doing a lot of that. Yeah. But we have <laughs> a lot of pain yeah. and, and lessons to get to the point where actually yeah if you'd have read the book and just applied it. And I can see really and all these sort of things. Actually, if you put them in when you're small, yeah. there's, there's very little pain in doing it, apart yeah. from you, you feel a bit stupid sometimes. Do it, you know, yeah. so it feels a bit heavyweight in what you're doing, but it's massively, massively benefited yeah. us. But congratulations on you on keeping that kind of determination and focus and discipline, I suppose is a good word, of keeping the system going. 
with the belief that you're going to grow and it was all going to become more relevant, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think the goal setting is an important part of that because there's yeah. a lots of decisions. You, know, you look at the cash flow. Um, there's decisions you make. Because it's easy to sort of think, uh, to not get complacent, but to, to, you know, you're in a good place. You don't have to grow. There's no law that says you have to grow. Um, and actually, you could keep things going. But if you've got a vision, you know, actually... This this is where we thought we'd get to a year ago. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you're looking at, do we hire somebody ahead of the curve of demand or yeah. not? And you might, you know, if you were less goal focused, yeah, you might choose not to. And you, well, no, we're going, we're going to need them. That's where we're yeah. going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so it really helps in those those decisions. I think it's it's really important. Brilliant. And through this process, you know, read the other day um, that you've appointed, you know, Louise, who's been with you for a number of years into the role of MD yep. last year, so yep. in October 22. Um, previously, your Chief Operating Officer. Yep. As a founder, was that a difficult decision to stop da- step down from being the MD? Into, uh, I guess, yes and no. Yeah. Um, so, so in, um, I mean, Louise, yeah, she was CLO. Yeah. In reality, she was running the business. Okay. So uh, again, in EOS, they yeah. they they focus, and this is one of the things that I guess attracted me to it in the first place because Louise yeah. was one of those four initially. So they talk about the visionary role, yeah, which sets where we're going and sort of has an idea, and the integrator role, yeah, who basically makes it happen, yeah. And those two roles sort of sit across everyone else. So you know, the integrator can dive into any team and get stuff going. Yeah. Um, you know, and we were working very much like that. So I'm very much the okay. I, I can see where we're going, and I can you know yeah. um, both at the business level and at project level. Yeah. You know, I, I see what this client needs, and Louise is sort of exceptional at systems uh, process, uh, making driving it, work. it yeah. and actually yeah. driving the business. Um, so that was already going on, and I wasn't. You know, I was CEO, and also, you know, I tend to be the person who goes out and sees clients when they first talk to us. It's, yeah. it's it doesn't really sit right. The CEO's going out to all these meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more as an architect and as my technical background, yeah. I was going to have these meetings. Um, so it's sort of made more yeah. made sense from that point of view. But from a personal point of view, you, your identity, you know, you've started this business, <laughs> yeah. the identity of it, and you it's are. Identity, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was, which is why I'm. You know, so actually, going from CEO to founder, yeah, it's quite a small change. Yeah, it doesn't you know? Um, but I had a little bit of a. Not a wobble, but yeah. it took a bit of adjustment. Must have had a moment, definitely, because yeah. it's that you know, it's been your baby, isn't it? And you feel like, I suppose, you know, I suppose it, again, compliments to you, but sometimes the ego can get in the way, can't it? And the yeah. ego would have said, no, I need that. Yeah, I can call myself founder. But I need to call myself founder and MD, and I need, I need all of that status. Yeah. Whereas actually, you're saying the right thing for the business is that this time we need somebody doing that. MD role as yeah. their role, and I can be the founder, and I can do the things I want to do. Yeah. And are you enjoying being in the business more since that transition to from Louise taking MD? Now you've adjusted. Uh, I am. I am busier, I'd say, because <laughs> I'm doing. You know, I, um, we, we, I guess we're in a particularly busy period at the moment. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as you grow, because you, demand grows but yeah. you don't grow in line with demand you have yeah. steps so yeah. sometimes you're slightly under sometimes you're slightly over um it's been a really you know, the start to this year has been really difficult in terms of time management okay um but i do enjoy I, I, one of the things that generally and i think you know louise is the same you know, we were very much as a, as a sort of pair in a team yeah 
Um, one of the things when you run a business is just the variety of things that you have to learn. Yeah. Yeah, the mass, you're out of your comfort zone all the time. There's always something that you haven't done before that yeah. you're having to learn um, to quite a high level. You know, you have to know yeah. quite a lot about... <laughs> a lot of things. Um, so... And I like, I really like that. You know, I really, I've learned all, you know, marketing and PR and yeah. finance and, um, yeah, lots of things to a degree that I never, you know, had some awareness of yes. before, but. Um, and where do you want to take the business? What's next for Talk Think Do? So we, we've got quite a clear plan. Okay. Um, so we, um, uh, yeah, we're on a, again, a steady growth yeah. Plan so so we we sort of know the size and the numbers we want to be in uh, end of this year and three years time. Um, we've we've got quite a lot of opportunity in the US. Okay. So, so we see again not immediately but within the three year period. Okay. Um, opening office in the US. We're also looking at uh, providing twenty four seven cover ourselves and we use some external partners at the moment. But that would be yeah, probably an office in the yeah. Far East somewhere and using the office in the US. Um, wow. it's, it's very, because the market for developers is very, it's very hard to hire good yeah. developers. And there's a, you know, even with all the layoffs in the States, there's, there's still a, a yeah. supply and demand problem. Um, you, it's very hard to hire really highly skilled developers and get them to work out of hours. It's yeah. pretty much impossible. So the only model really to do it is, is to spread is people geographically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's very much on our line. And then we are, it, for us, for our size, uh, you know, we've just sort of crept into the the new Microsoft Partner Program, which is yeah, it's much more skewed towards big okay. partners now, um, and we're quite niche in what we do. So most Microsoft partners do Office and all these things. Yeah, yeah we are very targeted on building this cloud native software, um, and and we've got a real we we want to really be seen as the best in that niche. Okay. We've got no plans to sort of go wide on what we do. And that niche has always been your focus. The niche yes. down was one of the principles when you started the business. Yeah, and it's and it's what we do. We've hired a group of experts who do that. Yeah. So we're not going to start offering services that we don't feel expert in. You know, there are things we're looking at doing which yeah. are outside what we currently do, but we won't offer it as a service until we've hired the people yeah. and we're confident that we can do a really good job on that. Fantastic. That's great. And I need to come back to, because you talked there about, and it's across the board in all industries, isn't it? You know, the scarcity of resource, you know, what do you put your success down to in terms of recruitment over the last few years? Because they've gone from four to 30. Yeah. Um, and still, you know, adding headcount to it now means you've been successful where perhaps others haven't in that recruitment market. So what do you put that down to, Matt? Um, I think, I mean, it's not all, so, you know, we are heavily sort of technical, yeah. but it's not all technical resource we have. So we have business analysts and we have mm. project managers. Um, we, on, certainly on the technical side, I guess the fact that I used to develop, and I, I, had, I always had an idea of building a company that's the sort of company I would have wanted to work for. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we are, you've got a technical founder, when yeah. it's not, you know, there's a lot of software companies where it's very sales focused. So, so, and when it is, you quite often, you know, someone will sell something with a deadline that yeah. may, may or may not be realistic, and then the pressure comes <laughs> on the yeah. dev team. Um, yeah, I think the fact it's technically led, and the fact that I've thought hard about what you know what I think is is attractive to developers, and particularly the sort of work we do. You know, we do 
generally more meaningful, more complex systems than a lot of other companies do. And we use the latest technologies, and it's those sorts of things which actually appeal more to people. It's a good blend, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, I can see how that would work. I want to just touch on, before we go and talk about AI and the future of tech and all of those kind of things, um, just something you said nearly in the opening response is you said about suffering from the imposter syndrome, which yep. so many of us do. But you saw it as a positive thing. Yeah. And I just thought I'd ask, you know, could you put that into a bit more context? Um, yeah, and I see it when you hire, you know, I do think it's, uh, I, I really like it as a quality in others. So, so, yeah. and, and I, know, I know certainly Louise is the, you know, we, again, because we're always out of our comfort zone, you're always feeling that you're, yeah, you're not quite good enough to, yeah. to do something. And, you know, and quietly confident is one of our values. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is exactly that. It's sort of, you know, I obviously you don't want to be completely debilitated by the, the feeling that you, you, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not good enough. But I think you, you know, that constant growth, that confidence in what you can do, but the filling the gaps in the things that you feel you can't. And, yeah. you know, you can't, like I say, in tech, you cannot stand still. You know, there is no. <laughs> um, more so now than ever. You know, things are moving at a faster pace than they ever were before. If yeah. you, if you, sort of get complacent and I guess the other you know obviously for quietly confident the other thing is you don't want arrogance no. so and it almost imposter syndrome and arrogance are completely yeah mutually exclusive you know so okay no that's good so need to perhaps we should start want to have a conversation just about AI briefly mm-hmm. but possibly should think about just asking you just you know from a software engineering software development point of view you know you you know, just the general newspaper now, and it says that AI's got the ability to write code and yep. all of that kind of stuff. Where do you see the change going in terms of that human interaction with writing code and software development, with it being kind of machine written? And are we there already? You know, what does your industry in terms of software development look like in the years ahead? Do you think? Um, I think there will there is, I mean there's definitely more automation going on and, yeah. and there's generally been a, a you know over the last 25 years there's there's been uh, a leveling up in terms of the blocks that you use to build software okay. so, so you know you, you constantly uh, being able to do more and more and more with less in okay. terms of effort um, and is that because they've had open source software it's open of? source it's the public cloud so yeah. that's made a massive difference um, yeah, there's always open source is a big part of that because okay, you can stand start. on the shoulders of, yeah. of other people's work. Um, but it's um, yeah, I think yeah, there's all all that's gone on. You have now got AI, and you've got yeah. all these pieces, um, and I think yeah, the actual you know, we it's a, particularly it's something called Copilot. So GitHub Copilot is the is the I think it's the first commercialization actually of all of the technology behind ChatGPT. So, okay. so it's um, GitHub's owned by Microsoft. Microsoft invested OpenAI. Okay. A lot's gone into this. So it's very advanced in terms of what it can do. And all of our team have got it. It's, it was released to sort of businesses in November okay. last year. Um, I haven't seen it made a massive difference okay. in terms of uh, productivity. And, yeah. Um, but supposedly it's developers who use it there's a load of research are more satisfied in their job because it, it the mundane stuff gets automated out quite quickly so yeah, so okay. um, and i think that's generally the way you know it will become more and more so yeah but it's more that you know there's still even now there's still quite a lot of sort of what we call boilerplate mundane yeah. repetitive bits that need to be done and i think they're um 
yeah, they're more likely to be eliminated as time goes on. Yeah, the next few years by AI, and then you still have human interaction. Yeah, and one of the things that I, you know, one of the things we're working on at the moment, have been working for a couple of years, is actually a product uh, called Code Native that uses some of that, but actually automates the process we go through to build software for people. So, so long-term plans for us yeah. is is to do more of the. Um, you know, build more of our systems using that and, and to also then commercialise that as a product. Uh-huh. Um, I guess the, 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 the concern that there's always been with, with I guess with any job, you see, you see robotics yeah. and AI coming out, is at what point does my job disappear because yeah. that gets automated away? Um, you know, so much of the work we do is in the, what's your problem? Yeah. How do we solve it? And, and you know, the, the creating the software that does it is going to get more and more automated actually understanding you know what where someone wants to go and getting that bit done i don't see that going anywhere soon and if we just talk about you know i suppose it is really came coming to the public domain isn't it ai and that rapid advancement that we've got um what excites you about that in terms of general life and what are the aspects that you think coming from a tech background you'd be wary of uh, so I've had a lot of conversations. There's a lot of people who talk to me about yeah, chat GPT and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, um, there's a lot of ideas out there. I'm actually not. So a lot of the, the technology behind it yeah. is, is um, has been around for a while. And actually, is ingrained in all sorts of things already. Yeah. Obviously, chat GPT came to it the, the, the wide, wider yeah, public's public attention. Kind of attention, isn't it? And that's you know it suddenly made uh, made available the idea of what the possibilities are to people. Yeah. Um, there's a few challenges with it. So, so one is, um, and, and the way I, I see it, almost as you've got predictive text. Yeah. It's, it's a slightly more advanced version of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, but partly. I mean, it's very good at understanding. So, they like predictive text. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you on that, it's predicting the next word. Yeah. This is taking what you're putting in and predicting more than the next word. Yeah. So actually, and I get some, you know, I then can infer some context around what you're saying, and I understand the sort of problem yeah. you're doing. That's one part of it. On the other part, which it's really good at, is it can then generate uh, outputs. So if you know, giving the answer to this in the voice of a five-year-old, yeah, it, it's it really understands language and how to yeah. how to understand it and how to generate it. The bit that I think is the weak link at the moment is the bit in the middle of the actual knowledge. So, and certainly when you look at big businesses using it, even for things like automating uh, support chat responses, which is a really obvious way to plug it in to start with, is the unreliability of what, certainly the chat GPT service that's trained on the public data, which is the one that that everyone's been playing with. um, It's almost like, I mean, it's sort of almost just put, put an answer in Google. Yeah. So if you're putting that in your business as a chat agent, yeah. trying to support somebody buying car insurance, yeah. it's totally unpredictable what it's going to come up with. So so it sort of isn't really appropriate for that sort yeah. of thing at the moment. It is you can use it if you use the understanding bit, the generating bit, and put your own model in the middle of yeah. that's you know more tailored to what to the questions you want to answer. But there's much more development in that than there is in just the okay. standard stuff. And the other side of it, which is because it's been free, ChatGPT. Yeah. Everyone's got this idea that it's it's, it's free. It's going to be like Google, you know. <laughs> um, but it's only free because they tr- they want the data of usage to, yeah, uh, to, to they, train they, it. It actually requires some really specialist hardware. So there's a big race on between Google, Microsoft, to acquire the hardware to build out the 
you know, server farms in the cloud to be able to then service the demand of these requests going through. And it's going to be pretty expensive because of that. Okay. So as a service, you're not, you know, you can't think I'm going to do a startup using free. Yeah. It's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be quite costly. Okay. Watch this space, definitely. And the other thing that gets talked about a lot, I suppose it's slightly outside of your sphere, but it is tech and software is the metaverse. Yes. And there's, again, probably been a lot of hype, you know, 18 months, two years ago at the metaverse, and, the, you know, we'd all be living in the metaverses as well as the real world, all of those kind of things. Where do you think that's all headed? So I, I'm probably I got you know a little bit sceptical about uh, ChatGPT and OpenAI. I'm pretty dismissive to be honest of the metaverse. Yeah. I think you know my kids have had Roblox and Minecraft. Yeah, that that's the metaverse. You know I, yeah. I can't see. Um, uh, I just can't see. Can't a, a no, and I think <laughs> yeah. And obviously the pandemic's caused this massive um, acceleration of remote working and hybrid working, but. Um, just in terms of the hardware and the, you know, I can't see people with their VR headset on having a water cooler moment, you know, it's, it's just not. Um, and I think, you know, even the hybrid and, and remote, you know, I can see there's, there's more yeah. of the human contact coming back into working life anyway yeah. now. So uh, it's, I just don't see that you can replicate that in uh, with technology. Wow. Great. The techie person's reassured me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Um, just, I suppose, a couple of questions to finish with. If there's somebody listening to this podcast, perhaps working in corporate life, thinking I really would like to start my own business, any words of advice? I think, well, for me, that the you know, it, it, it's just being aware of the amount of hard work. You almost have to do two jobs at once to yeah. be able to do it. So even if you're transitioning to you know, start a limited company and I can consult through it, I've still got a service, provide good service to my client during the day and do extra work. So build the business at night. Yeah, and I think you know, in corp- I mean, I've got so many great people I've met over my career that, uh, you know, that some of my customers now or employees. Yeah. That networking that you build up over years is just so important. So so investing in that and people you meet um, yeah. and being being nice to people. You know, yeah. being human. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and. If you reflect now, you know, you're really honest at the start about the journey and I suppose that influence and aspiration your dad gave you. Yeah. What would you say has been the effect of you being entrepreneurial and starting your own business on your own family and personal life? Um, I think it's, I mean, it's been overwhelmingly positive. It has, right. I, I, I guess, I, I always feel that people don't get enough of my time. So you, know, you are stretched when, you, when you're running a company and you've got to balance home life with work life and you've got you know, employ, different employees and clients and you're, you're always failing in terms of you never you can never provide everyone what they want. Um, but I do, actually, I've, the one, I think one thing I have done is prioritise family over other things. So if anything's dropped, it's probably not family. So, you know, um, so I feel, I don't have that feeling of guilt in terms of, Brilliant. missing things and that sort of thing which is good and I, and I can also see because the, as the kids are getting older yeah they're more interested in the bit you, know, you can see it's the, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was on a train going up to London with people from work and my daughter was going to school yesterday and she's just really interested in and you can see it yeah, you know, okay. just like just with my dad it in, you're just subsuming it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah definitely and I always end, um, end the conversation with this um, question so 
And what is your definition of success, man? So I think it's changed. So, so I think when I started the business, I probably had the very classic entrepreneur. Okay, I'm you know hitting forty. What I'll do is I'll start a business, grow it, exit. Yeah. Then I can do what I like. And, I, and I, as it's as time's gone on, you think, well, I'm not sure I want to do that. So I'm not sure. You, know, you get so much reward out running the business yeah. and, and sort of intellectual stimulation from continually learning. Actually, that going could be really difficult. I think. Yeah. And then the other thing is actually, what would I do with my time? So so, and I think there's no point even thinking about retiring until you. And certainly speaking to other people who've been through this, yeah. you want to be quite specific about what you're going to spend your time doing. Definitely. Um, and overall, you know, being happy is success. So, yeah. and it's you know, what is happiness, and what's what and you need to think about what makes you happy. At the moment, I'm very happy. Yeah. Um, so, if I, you know, if I stopped and retired tomorrow and had time on my hands, I've got to think carefully before I do that about yeah. what what's what's going to happen. Are you referring to? You, I've seen it help clients. You know, think that actually, yeah, happiness is building a business, is exiting a business, having those millions of pounds in the bank, and they can quite super come most unhappy people because there's no purpose. Yeah, and, and I've seen lots of people that you know they yeah. achieve, they they get achievement. Yeah. It doesn't bring you really any happiness at all. No. You know, it's just uh, okay. What's next? Brilliant reflection to end our conversation, Matt. If people want to know more about you, more about Talk Think Do, where can they go? Uh, so anyone can get in touch with me on LinkedIn, or we've got TalkThinkDo.com. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you, Matt. I've really loved our conversation. Really relevant to anybody who's thinking of or in that process of starting some business, but also to those listeners that are scaling and developing their business as well. Thank you for your time. Great, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.